The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. Today, we are starting off a new series based upon the book, What Are You? by Imelda Shanklin. I did announce it last week, and I put a post on my Facebook page, Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell, to let people know that they need to get the book. I know there might be uh, some challenges here and there, but I think we have some at the Christ Universal Temple Bookstore. I do know that the book is available on Amazon.com, and I'm sure it's probably some digital PDF versions of the book floating around because the book is almost 100 years old. That being said, the book is a classic, and it is the very first book I ever taught in the Johnny Coleman Institute. So this book has a warm place in my heart. I can remember being... Um, you know, in, in my early 20s, uh, mid, uh, mid-20s, around 24, 25, teaching this book uh, and preparing for it everywhere I went when I had an opportunity to, to um, teach in a class when Reverend Coleman and uh, Reverend Helen Carey gave me the opportunity to be a presenter or facilitator in the Johnny Coleman Institute. So um, I think we're going to have a good time with this book. We're going to teach you chapter by chapter like we teach all the books, like I teach all the books. And obviously, I hope that you will call into the show, ask questions, and read the chapter chapters week by week. So, to be perfectly clear, I am requesting that everyone who follows along with this series get the book, What Are You?, by Amelda Shanklin. That's Amelda is, <clears throat> excuse me. I-M-E-L-D-A. Shanklin is S-H-A-N-K-L-I-N. Now, once you get the book, I'm going to request that whatever chapter I'm reading, if I'm going to, for instance, I'm doing today, Your Identity. So that means next week we're going to do You Are What You Think. So read ahead. So if you don't have the book, read up, catch up. If you listen to this show, a year from now or five years from now via podcast, get the book, work with the material and allow the real teacher 
the whole spirit of God in you, through you, as you to lead and guide you. All right. So let's get right to it. She talks about what are you under the chapter, your identity on page five. She says, what are you? And then she goes into uh, some definitions, how people might define themselves. And she says, if you have been considering yourself wholly as a personal entity, you will also answer the question incorrectly when it is asked you. The error in your mind, which causes you to assume the who, when you should recognize the what, is the source of every misunderstanding in life that perplexes you. So in other words, she's saying, I'm not asking who are you. I'm asking what are you? You know, because the who can, the who changes. The who changes consistently. You can be married or single. You can have one occupation or one job or another. You can be a student or an employee or a supervisor or a boss. You can be unemployed. You know, you can you can be a person that has no children, then have children. You can be a parent, then a grandparent. You know, so your who's can add to and your who's can diminish. Your, your who's can increase into various different realms of living, and it, it can also decrease depending on the choices that you make. But your experiences, your beliefs, your choices, and your decisions never change the what, only the who. Back to the book. She writes that on page six, the personal is the scene, body, conduct, situation. The impersonal is the unseen, spirit, mind, Revelation, your intention translates the unseen into the seen and makes the what of life become the who of life. That is key. So we attach ourselves to the personal. We build our identity around the personal, the body, the conduct, the situation. I would add the experiences, our past. We allow those things to define us, but they only can define the who, not the what. That's why she said the impersonal, the spirit, the mind, the revelation is who we really are. But but see, my intent, your intent to translate the unseen, the invisible into the visible, the unseen into the seen, the unmanifested into the manifest, translates, transmute, transforms the intent the thought, the belief, the feeling, the consciousness into form. So she goes on and say on page six, the personal, the who can be changed. You have changed it many times and you will continue to change it. This is not said to indicate reincarnation. She's not disputing that. She said that's not what she's talking about. It is said to indicate the changes that come in body, conduct, and situation in every life. These changes make Baby Doe become Johnny Doe. They make Johnny Doe grow successfully into lawyer Doe, judge Doe, governor Doe. And all of Johnny Doe's changes of relationship to the world, only the who is concerned. The what is not affected. That is changeless. It is eternally, it eternally will be what it eternally has been. So in other words, no matter what we do, we don't affect our true identity. 
the Christ in you, God's idea of itself, remains unblemished. Because the principle is perfect, whole, and complete. So even in a hospital bed, you can say, I am well. Now, the body, the personal you might be going through some stuff. It might be going through some experiences. But I am, my true spiritual nature, my spiritual identity is whole. I am whole. And as the author stated earlier, your intention translates the unseen into the seen. So the intent of realizing I am whole translates into the form of the personal. So the impersonal becomes the personal. So in other words, since the body, life, world, and affairs can change, it's temporal, it means that through conscious realization, you can, with intent, transform your body, life, world, and affairs. In other words, let me make it plain. If anybody has ever been healed through prayer, it's possible that anyone can. Because human beings are all built the same way. We all have the same equipment. Spirit, soul, body. We're all made the same. Moving on. If anyone has ever been prospered through prayer, everyone can be prospered through prayer. Why? Because human beings have all the same equipment. Spirit, soul, body. If anyone has ever achieved success in their business or their job through prayer, then everyone can. Because human beings have the same equipment, spirit, soul, body. Wanted you to grasp that. See, at times, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to achieve the same levels of what we call success, what we call prosperity, what we call health or healing, whatever. Because that's based upon need and consciousness. I don't need to have the same level of physicality as a boxer or a football player or NBA basketball player. If I can run on the treadmill for an hour. And get off of it and don't feel as though that I'm, I'm, I'm at, at the point of transition, then guess what? That is really a good stage. If I get off the treadmill and go hit the weights, then I'm in pretty good shape for a person who does not do that for a living. But if I'm trying to be an Olympic athlete, that doesn't work. So if, if I need enough prosperity to have a good home and take care of my family and take care of my need, what I consider needs, quote unquote, and wants, along with my desires, then that's different than Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, or Donald Trump. Their demand on the principles of prosperity are different. For them, money is in money unless it shows up at the level of millions, hundreds of millions, and et cetera, et cetera. So for them, they're making million-dollar deals. But you also have to have a lifestyle, a mindset, 
and the energy and, t- and intention to want to live that type of life beyond obviously the education that goes along and experience that goes along with that. I might not want that life. So it's important to realize what your intention is for your soul, what your soul is seeking to express, because again, depending on the demand, that will equal the supply. Moving on. The book goes on to say, on page seven, if discouragement assails you because of environment, tradition, or heredity, transfer your consideration from the personal to the impersonal. In other words, sometimes we get discouraged because of the things around us. Traditions, you know, this is the family tradition, the national tradition, the racial traditions, the gender traditions, the education traditions, etc. We get caught up. Or the heredity. Well, mama had it. Granddaddy had it. Uncle Joe had it. And we have to remind ourselves that we have can transfer our thinking from the personal to the impersonal. He go, she goes on and said, you are not characterless flesh and blood, unfavorable heredity, spineless nothing. Thou art the son of the living God. In your everlasting nature, you are impersonal, impregnable. Square your consideration of life by these facts, and you will be supplied with ample courage for every demand. So in other words, how you think about yourself matters. You have to see yourself whole and complete when the whole world and all of its evidence says that you're incomplete. She goes on to say, when you identify yourself with the personal, you are not satisfied. Hmm. He says, she says, knowing the personal only, you have but superficial knowledge of yourself. Beneath the surface, the reach deep of life summons you with overmastering appeal. Not knowing how to respond, you have a sense of confusion and restlessness. Uh, scripture says, when deep calls upon deep, deep responds. The, there's an aspect of you that is deeper. And see, we seek it, we search it because we don't know necessarily what it is all the time, but we know that it's more than life than what we have experienced. So people, sometimes they chase it. They travel all over the world to try to get it. They join religion after religion, group after group, sometimes um, experimenting in ways with, and with things that are not necessarily for their highest good. And I'm saying that these flashes of divinity, these glimpses of truth, the truth of who you are, are there to hopefully guide you within. But since we have not been taught to turn within, we turn without and try to seek satisfaction in things that in and of itself have no intrinsic value. It's important that we recognize that. That who you are as a spiritual being can't be satisfied by anything 
outside of yourself. You have to come to that inner realization by doing your own inner work. You have to know who you, what are you, not just who are you. You got to recognize your own spiritual identity in the midst of the storms of life. It's really important. She goes on to say disquieting questions as to why and how life ceases when you begin to regard yourself as impersonal being manifesting as personality. So in other words, I'm a spiritual being expressing in this human form right now. I have a personality. I have a human body. I have prejudices, biases, thoughts, beliefs, etc. But that's not who I am. I'm a spiritual being living in a spiritual universe governed by spiritual law. That's who I am. She says you become immune, bottom of page seven, you become immune to doubt when you learn that the impersonal is indestructible. Poise rules your life when you awaken to the fact that the changes which come to the personal are not the work of an agency outside of yourself, but the registrations of your own mental operation. Now, what that means is she's saying you gather poise, you gain poise when you realize that the changes in your life have nothing to do with with anything God is doing on the spiritual realm. And they have everything to do with either your individual consciousness or the collective consciousness you are part of, of the human race. In other words. You know, Charles Fillmore called it race consciousness. In other words, the dominant beliefs of the human race. Some things we individually believe and some things we accept. And what we accept, we still get to keep. Something to think about. I also want to remind you, because we're close to our first break, that this show, along with all the other shows on uh, Unity Online Radio is supported by your donations. So as you have freely received, please freely give. Again, you can click on the donate button on the website and it will lead you to how that you can uh, support this online ministry. I also want to remind you that you can go to Christ Universal Temple's website, www.cutemple.org. That's www.cutemple.org to watch. Um, if you click on the multimedia page, you can watch the last three sermons. Here's some music. You can also go on the website and here's uh, personal messages from our uh, pastor and get some other good relative information. Uh, check us out. Make sure you stop by the website. We're going to take our first break and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio 
1-800-242-72727. Thank you for your support. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth, a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. You know the saying, a good deed is its own reward? Well, moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward. It will also reward you with vibrant health, boundless energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, and according to Yogi's and Unity's co-founder Charles Fillmore, even give a boost to your spiritual life. On Main Street Vegan, the radio program named for the popular book, Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Unity World Day of Prayer is Thursday, September 11th. This year's theme is, We Are the Light of the World. Let your light shine. Please join us as we amplify the power of prayer by shining love and compassion around the world. There are several ways to participate. Visit worlddayofprayer.org for more information about this sacred event. Join us and let your light shine. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. And if you would like to call in and ask me a question uh, during the show, you can call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I like questions. So if you are thinking about calling and you're hesitating, please stop hesitating and make the call because your call can not only help you, but also help someone else. All right, moving on to page nine. All right. So she says, what are you spiritually? She says, if you accept some theological teachings on the subject, you will answer that you are a sinner, a lost soul. In answering You speak in the consciousness of the personal, the changing. You cannot say that the impersonal, the changeless, sins or becomes lost. The impersonal is the spiritual. It is of God and is identical with him or it. If God can sin, so can the spiritual you, but not otherwise. So, you know, I made a note in my book many years ago, 
that if God can be sick, then you can, but not otherwise. If God can be poor, then you can, but not otherwise. If God can be happy, then you can, but not otherwise. That was my way of reminding myself that whatever is true about God is true about me. Not the changeable me that, you know, that likes this and dislikes that, but my true spiritual nature. My true spiritual nature is spirit and reflects the wholeness of God all the time. Now, the personal human me works with this comprehension, with the comprehension of what it means to be a spiritual being. But the spiritual part of me and the spiritual part of you is perfect, whole and complete always. Need and it needs nothing. It's complete in and of itself. So she goes on and says, What theology calls a lost soul is a soul that has lost sight of God's omnipresence. In the personal, you have acted ignorantly. The act of ignorance is the act of sin. In the impersonal, you never have acted ignorantly, never have sinned. In the personal, you have lost sight of God, but God has never lost sight of you. What is in the sight of God is not lost. She goes on to say, if you accept some metaphysical teachings, you will answer the question by saying that you are divine perfection. The statement requires amplification for it is true only of the impersonal. You must keep your terms accurate. The personal has not reached perfection. If it were perfect, there would be no need of you trying to improve it. No need for so much as the affirmation of perfection body conduct situation would conform to the absolute standard. Why Charles Fillmore wrote many years ago, truth known is instantly demonstrated. So I like to use the term uh, written in uh, the case for reincarnation by James Dillett Freeman, which is an excellent out of print book. And one of the chapters um, is titled perfect, but not perfected. I think that really speaks to the experience of humankind. We're hearing and learning about the spiritual wholeness and perfection within us, God's idea of itself, the Christ, the I am, which goes by many names in many different cultures, all speaking to your spiritual wholeness. Does not necessarily mean that that that's your experience. That's why it's perfect, but not perfected. And potential is perfect. But an expression was still growing. We're still evolving, evolving back to what? To a consciousness of our oneness with all of life, with all power, with all substance, with all wisdom, with all love. Coming back to to an awareness of who we are. So spiritual growth is waking up because the spirit really doesn't grow. What's evolving back to an awareness of itself is the soul. And some some books and writers use the term soul and spirit um, um, and interchangeably. I don't. And we in the we in the UFBL don't 
do that because we always want to differentiate that the soul is the entire mind or the entire consciousness or total consciousness where the spirit is God's idea of itself as we teach it. Doesn't mean that someone else will teach it differently. Some people teach the soul as the perfect, whole and complete aspect of ourselves. I'm not so concerned with terminology as I am getting you to really grasp the concept that the what of you is whole and complete. All right. Back to the book. Page 10. Spiritually, what are you? You are a soul that has forgotten its divine identity, a soul struggling to remember in the midst of time and in the confusions of experience that you are the living son of the living God. Spiritually, you are an idea in the mind of God. That idea must be given expression in you. I love that. You are a soul that has forgotten its divine identity. Mm. Because I don't know I'm divine because you don't know you're divine. And we can say, well, I know I'm divine, but all the time, in every experience, with every person, in every situation that you encounter, do you see yourself as divine in that space? And if not, that shows up as it can show up as erroneous experiences. We teach in the Johnny Coleman Institute that the primary cause of suffering is forgetfulness of our spiritual nature, of our spiritual identity. And we have forgotten that we have dominion over our thoughts and feelings. We don't know who we are. And because we don't know who we are, we act like who we believe we are instead of the truth about our spiritual nature. It's something to think about when you really grasp that I am a divine identity. I'm an idea in the mind of God. And that idea expresses as me. She goes on and says, as the victim of amnesia persists in recalling personal identity, so you must persist in recalling spiritual identity. While you pray, read, meditate, practice spiritual truth, a flicker, then a beam, then a, the full light of restored consciousness will dawn, and you will know yourself. So you have to push through to your breakthrough. Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians. He says, I press towards the higher calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is he pressing against? His own consciousness, the, his own thoughts and beliefs that try to tell him that he's limited. That he was limited, rather, excuse me. You will press against your own stuff, your own mental stuff, your own thoughts, your own beliefs, your own feelings. You will press when you start to realize that life is bigger than than who you think you are as a personal identity. Will mean that you will start pressing against your own subconscious self-image. You have to press against it. You have to press. And like Jacob, 
I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Push through to your breakthrough. The author goes on and, and on page 11 and she writes, mentally, what are you? What are you? She says, in your, on page 12, in your true mental identity, you are the mind of God. This mind must be permitted to act in you. It knows all things. It makes no mistakes. In you, it recognizes itself as beauty. In you, it sustains its perfection. You become aware of its work in you when you do not crowd it aside by the arrogance of the personal mind. In other words, who you think you are. Because if it's all God, then God is the spiritual aspect of you. Your consciousness is your awareness of the one of yourself being an idea in the mind of God. And the body is the vehicle or the form that the consciousness takes. Think about it. Some old and new thought writers would write it this way. I am a point of awareness in the in the mind of God or in divine mind. I'm a point of awareness. In divine mind. In other words, if if all we are really in divine mind, if all we are is divine ideas, divine ideas, but not just any divine idea, the composite idea that has all the ideas of good that we call the Christ. And other religious religions have their own terms for it. In New Thought, we say that the composite idea of all of God's good is the Christ. God's idea of itself. That means that who I think I am is not who I think who I am. Who I what I what I am is a perfect whole and complete idea and within the idea is everything needed for its complete expression. Therefore, my awareness, my consciousness, my soul clothes the idea as my body clothes the idea and the awareness of the idea. Spirit, soul, body. So, so mentally, my, the, the, the ability to think is still the power of God in action. So even when I am creating erroneous experiences in my life, I'm still using the power of God. She writes it this way on page 12. If you put the mind of God to uses that do not match the nature of God, you delay your mental growth. In other words, you're using this power of consciousness to produce effects that are not consistent with the nature of God, which is absolute good. She says, when you let the mind of God act without interference on your part, you prosper in the work regaining your mental identity. You abandon 
the habit of putting the mind of God under the direction of the personal mind. You enter the path of wisdom. She goes on and says, physically, what are you? Page 13. And and again, I'm not going to teach this whole chapter. Um, I would have to teach it line by line, chapter by chapter. And that's a bit much. So we can't do that. All right. So moving on. So she says on page 15, physically, you are the substance of God molded in the matrix of your mind. If you are not satisfied with your personality, you should remold it for that purpose. You have a mind. The mental you is born of the spiritual you and the physical you is your mind's outer translation of God's idea. Let's stop right there. The physical you is your mind's outer translation of God's idea. Now, God's idea is perfect, whole, and complete. But the mental you and the mental me sees only in part because we have believed ourselves to be in bondage to the flesh and the things of the flesh. Therefore, since we are caught up in believing what the human appearance, this three-dimensional world is telling us, we fall under the, for lack of terms, spiritual spiritual uh, hypnosis of the belief. I don't want to use the term spiritual because that's an improper way of using terminology. We fall under the mental hypnosis of the appearances of the world. In other words, we function uh, under the, and I'm using this in quotes, under the spell, and I don't mean that literally, you all, that we are not spiritual beings. We live under that erroneous concept. So that has to show out, show up in our bodies, life, world, and affairs. But if we can grasp that God is life and God's life is energy and vigor, vitality, wholeness, health, as we understand God's idea of life, it'll translate in our bodies. And again, if anybody has ever been healed through prayer, through the realization of God is life, then you can. Does that mean you will? No, I'm not saying that because I don't know what's in your consciousness. You know, that's one of the things that people talk about. Well, I worked the principle and I read the book and I did the affirmations. How come I didn't get the demonstration? Well, nobody is nobody is starting from the same um, starting point. No one is beginning in the same place. I don't know what you got to work through in your own soul. I don't know what's in your subconscious. I don't know what your real uh, uh, unconscious beliefs are. Therefore. You might have to work on some other aspects of your soul so you can accept truth where somebody else grasps it and they walk right in and get it and demonstrate what they need to demonstrate. And you're looking and saying, well, how come it's not working for me? There's nothing to do with the principle. It has everything to do with consciousness. So the physical you is your mind's outer translation of God's idea. 
She says on page 15, body, environment, and even associates are mental fingerprints by which your identity as a mental worker is established. So your body, your environment, and even the people that are in your life are are reflections of your consciousness. Oh, as Reverend Ike would say, I meet no one but me. I meet no one but me. We're coming up on our last break. So let me just remind you yet again that you can go to the website uh, and click the donate button to help support the show. And don't forget about our Facebook page. Let's take our last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. He's the most talked about figure in history. How do you see Jesus? As a savior, a way shower, a mythical hero. In his cutting-edge new book, Jesus 2.1, an upgrade for the 21st century, Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard explores the many human concepts of Jesus. The man of Nazareth has been an imaginary spiritual playmate for millions. Best friend, confidant, silent lover, surrogate father, brother, husband, trusted king when earthly governments fail, all-purpose superhero who will save the day before the final credits roll. Jesus is like a program that has been adapted through the ages while the basic code remains undisturbed despite all subsequent modifications. Now it is our time to rewrite and reinstall the Jesus program with updates for today, just as every previous generation has done and every subsequent generation will do. The Romans killed Jesus for being a revolutionary. Every succeeding generation kills him anew by losing sight of the ongoing revolution in human consciousness that he represents. Explore the new book, Jesus 2.1, at www.shopunity.org. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm teaching from the book What Are You by Melda Shanklin. Again, if you don't have this book, make sure that you go online and find it. I'm going to be teaching you chapter by chapter. And again, I'm not teaching every sentence, every paragraph, every page. So you want to make sure that you get the book so you can study and allow the real teacher, the Christ in you, to guide and guide you into what you need to know. Back to page 15. And I'm 
going back to the last statement that I uh, quoted, body, environment, and even associates are mental fingerprints by which your identity as a mental worker is established. This is one of the parts of new thought that everyone doesn't necessarily like when we tell people that the people in your life are the way they are because you are the way you are. In other words, people are drawn to us by mental affinity. In other words, uh, they're in our experience to because they reflect some aspect of our soul. And sometimes it's to help an aspect of our soul grow. A lot of it has to do with the fact that at one level or another, they're on our vibration. They fulfill or complement wherever we are mentally. I tell this to people when they feel as though they've been, quote, unquote, victimized. I say, you know, to, to, to be a victim, you have to have a victimizer. So you can't go through life believing in in victimization and not believe that you can be victimized. You know, it it takes an enlightened consciousness to say there are no victims. Because the the evidence that the human being will present to you in the intellectual argument and the emotion behind the intellectual argument can be overwhelming. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what has happened. You don't, et cetera, et cetera. Look at the wars and look at the crime and look at the things that are happening in the, around the country and all the streets and et cetera, et cetera. And then the New Thought Metaphysician says there are no victims. Because sooner or later, if you want mastery, you have to claim the authority over your own life. Reverend Coleman used to tell us to call it good. She doesn't make a difference what it is. Why? Because you are choosing to empower yourself. That doesn't mean that you wanted to have the experience, but flip it and get whatever lesson you need to get out of it to empower you, even if it was something that was painful, even if you considered yourself suffering. Through any situation or circumstance, you can empower yourself, even if it means I'm never going to ha- deal with that again. That'll never happen to me again. I, you know, um, as um, the uh, Pentecostal Word of Faith preacher wrote, um, um, uh, uh, Reverend Dr. Leroy Thompson, he wrote the book, I'll Never Be Broke Another Day in My Life. That was, he said he was going through stuff, and when he realized that he didn't have to be broke ever, ever again, any minute, it changed his life. He's like, I'm never going to be broke again. And he came up with that term, money cometh, which is his, um, you know, what he's known for. You know, that's his trademark term, money cometh. But he had to first get to the point of, I'll never be broke again. And some people, I'll, you know, I'll never go through X, Y, Z again. Sometimes that's the lesson you learn out of. And then you keep it moving. All right, so let's get back to the book. He says, she says, your body is the blossom of your mind. And she starts talking about how our mentality shows up in our body, good, bad, or indifferent. All right. On page 17, she writes, "Uh, you are the idea of God capable of perfect translation. Someday you will become wholly awake to your divine identity and will begin 
consciously to take on the image of perfection. No, I know some people say, well, I don't even know what that means. And guess what? Neither do I. And it has nothing to do with it. Right now, you you continue to do your inner work and every stage will reveal itself. So if you're in, you know, if, if you're in a situation, a circumstance where, um, for instance, if you're on the highway and you're driving in your car and um, it's a traffic jam. If you're in a, a, a regular size automobile, you might not be able to see what's actually happening. But if you are riding in a large SUV or a van or a truck, you can see over the cars and see, OK, that's the problem. See, as we grow in consciousness, we elevate and we're able to see life differently. Which gives us the advantage of knowing what's coming down the road in ways that we can't see right now. Back to the book, page 17. You will, excuse me, you never will know your true identity until you let the mind of God instruct you as to what you are. Now, from this standpoint, she keeps talking about the mind of God, mind of God, mind of God. In other words, you have a, you have a super intelligence, a super consciousness, a Christ mind, a Christ consciousness within you. That knows who you are. But you have to allow it to instruct your life. She goes on by saying consciousness of your true identity is awareness that you are as enduring as God. I am as enduring as God. She says God's immortality is your immortality. And that there can be no death. Hmm. Back to the book. On page 18. She says, she wrote, your mind is impressed, is marked by the pressure of an idea, or you cannot have no impulse to express it. Have you settled with yourself what it is that you wish to express? This you must do to get sane action in the matter. If you say that you wish to express yourself, you must choose which self you will give dominance and expression, the personal self or the impersonal self. Your gen- your genuine success will be fostered by putting the personal self under control of the impersonal self and then proceeding, proceeding with expression. In other words, we all want to express, but what are we expressing? We express all the time. She, so if so, we need to make sure that the spiritual is leading the human, and that and the human is overshadowing the spiritual. On page nineteen, she she writes, "You express yourself all the time." So, in other words, consciousness is always creating form, because to think is to form. Thinking is the formative power of mind. So if you're thinking, you're forming something. What are you forming? Your life. Hmm. Back to the book, page 20. You consciously contact the mind of God through prayer. In conscious contact, you receive. Prayer can take place at any time in any environment. 
You do not have to go to a special place and shut yourself away from others in order to reach God. So when we want to get in contact with that super intelligence, we need to start praying. We need to work with prayer. And she gives us on page 21, three prayers or affirmations to work with. And I'm going to suggest that you work with these ideas for one week. Whenever you start hearing this show, just, you know, start working with them and let them build. Uh, Again, on page 21, I'm going to read them. But again, I suggest you get the book. I'm requesting that you get the book so you can write them down. Put them on a three by five card or put them in your phone and your notes or whatever you have. If you have iPhone, I know they have notes and other phones. I'm sure they have something that's the equivalent to notes so you can look at it or put it in as a reminder or something. The affirmations are number one. I am an idea in the mind of God. I let God's idea express in me. The second one is, I am the mind of God. I let the mind of God inform me of my identity. Number three, my body is the substance of God manifesting in correspondence with his idea. Now, as you affirm these prayers, What you're doing is shifting your mind to accept the truth about who you are. This is key. As she writes on page 21, you are God's manifest and manifesting idea. You can change that to I am God's manifest and manifesting idea. That's another affirmation if you choose to use it, but not required. So as you start to work with what does it mean? When you are affirming these things and then allow the spirit to guide you. You'll know what you need to know. Now, next week. I'm teaching chapter two. You are what you think. This chapter, you are what you think. And the chapter after it, your consciousness. um, Really set the tone for the chapter to me that really, really shines in this book. This book is awesome. But the chapter that really shines is the real and the fictitious. And so we need to do the work before we actually get there. So don't jump and read the real and the fictitious before you read the the chapters before it. If you want to read ahead, read ahead. If you want to read the whole book, read the whole book. And then you can review with me. But once we start dealing with some of the later chapters like the real and the fictitious, if you've done the work of your identity, you are what you're thinking, your consciousness, what will end up happening is you will lay the foundation to really grasp what she is presenting. So make sure you get the book. You work that out however you need to work it out. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio.
This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Inspiration only takes a moment. Consider these inspirational thoughts from the quest for prayer from Unity House Books. Holding a special, loving thought for other people benefits us as much as it benefits them. In fact, in some ways, even more so. Consider, for example, what happens when you wash your car with a hose. What gets clean first? The inside of the hose, of course because the water must rush through the hose before it can clean the car. So it is when we hold loving thoughts for someone. As those loving thoughts rush through us, they bless us first. It is a win-win situation. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practice, Practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. I'm Suzanne Giesman, and if you've ever wondered about life after death or if it's possible to connect with a higher consciousness, I invite you to join me for my podcast, Messages of Hope. It's my mission to share with you that our loved ones who have passed are always with us, and we are so very loved. I want to teach you how to live a consciously connected and divinely guided life. Listen here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network.